You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. The 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. Welcome back to another episode of the Western Rookie Podcast. This is your host, Brian Krebs. And today I have Kate Small, who, from the looks of it, has done quite a bit more predator hunting than I am, so I'm excited to talk to her today about that. How are you doing today, Kate? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Doing good. Um, fighting IT battles, as always. Aside from the <laughs> trouble from you and us trying to get get connected without an echo, I'm also trying to set up my home office again today because we just moved into this new farm, and so um, I've been doing IT issues all day long. Uh, Try, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I work from home full time, so I kind of have to get it working too, which is the bummer. I can't just like say, oh, I'll do it next week. So, but yeah, on the predator side of things, I was, I was looking at your Instagram. I was getting a little bit jealous of all the cool hunts. Um, looks like you have done quite a bit of, you know, like wolf hunting, bear hunting. I've seen some coyotes on your feed. Uh, I saw cat. What's your, what's your favorite? Uh, thing to hunt is it like predators and wolves and cats and bears or is it still like um, elk and deer it's wolves have taken over my life so that's where my passion lies currently <laughs> that's i mean that's not a bad passion to have i think a lot of people kind of view the wolf as like the the one of the ultimate north america predators and at least in minnesota we can't even hunt them anymore which is a real bummer um, yeah. but even when we had seasons, there was like 4,000 or thousands and thousands of people would get a tag and our quota was 400. And so like the success rates were like 1%. Yeah. It's, wolves are tough. They're really difficult. And I would say if they open your season, 
back up again, go after them because the earlier on, the less educated they are because they're so intelligent. They learn really quickly once they're hunted not to make those mistakes again. That that makes a lot of sense because they, I mean, I don't know if they're because they're in packs that they learn faster than other animals, but like, like deer don't really learn. Like they don't learn that this food plot isn't the safest place to be in October. <laughs> But I have heard that wolves, like, you cannot make any mistakes, especially when people were trapping them. Like, you can't have yeah. any scent. You have to make sure everything about your set is absolutely perfect. And then you have to still, like, get lucky that they that they work it, that they come in, that they actually hit the trap. And it's, like, it's a huge process. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Uh, I started trapping, I guess, two years ago now. And in Idaho, at least, and I don't know about Minnesota, but in Idaho, wolves have a 250-square-mile territory. So if you think about trying to get a wolf to step on a pan that's that big in 250 square miles, it's, you have to be almost perfect in your set. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would almost wager that in Minnesota they could even have a larger range because, like, we don't have mountains. So, like, there's real no geographical, <laughs> geographical borders keeping them in like a, like, yeah, I could see a wolf's like, yeah, I could run over that mountain, but do I want to, or should I just stay in this valley? Exactly. And I don't know your population there either. So if you have a lower population, then they're going to spread out more and take up more of that area. Well, all I can really do is recite what they tell us, right? Because who, (laughs) like, who really knows how many wolves are out there, especially like where we are, that we don't have a lot of open valleys where you can like see a pack, like feeding or like, in Yellowstone, you can see the whole pack sometimes. Like, here, you'd have to get pretty lucky and see it in a field. And, you know, in the wolf habitat range, there's not a lot of fields, like open fields. They tell us that I think our greater lakes, which is, like, northern Wisconsin, northern Michigan, Minnesota, is, like, 4,000 wolves. <laughs> yeah. So you probably have twice that, and that's a lot of wolves. <laughs> is that a lot? What What is What does uh, your area have? Like, the Idaho, like... Is it the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, or are you in more of, like, the greater, like, the glacier ecosystem? So, we're, so, Idaho, um, you know, we're part of Yellowstone, but um, I'll just, I'll give you some quick details on um, wolves here. So, 1995, they were introduced by U.S. Fish and Wildlife. The goal for the northern Rocky Mountain population segment, which is Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, the eastern third of Oregon and Washington, and then a portion of Utah. The goal recovery goal was 300. Oh boy. Um, yeah, and so and that's for all that whole region. Um, and when they were delisted in 2009, the um, maximum carrying capacity was deemed to be 1,500 in that entire area. And currently, our latest count was 1,337 Oof. in Idaho alone. So, and that's estimated to be low because they don't use aerial counts. Um, they're doing that solely based on collars and a game camera grid system. And so, <laughs> I'm thinking we have a lot more than that. <laughs> right. Probably not. I mean, I get. Like, they have limited funding, and there's only so much we can do. Like, how would we ever... they have limited funding. I think they have funding. They have a lot. They probably have a lot. They they would probably tell us they have limited funding. But I get, like, how are you... Like, if you even put me in charge of counting all the wolves in the northern Rockies, I'd be like, 
I don't know if I want that job. I don't know how I would go about it. Well, yeah, and what they don't count, they don't count the Selway and they don't count the Frank Church, which are two biggest wilderness areas in Idaho. Oh. So you're leaving out these huge populations of wolves. Yeah. And so it's interesting. So there's a good chance that you guys are already well over your maximum carrying capacity for the Northern Rockies. Yes. Yeah. Well, good thing there's people out there like you that are that have apparently figured it out or at least learned a couple things on how to track these suckers down in the fall. Um, <laughs> so you said you started trapping a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. Is trapping like the main way you go after wolves and target wolves, or are you still doing more of like a spot and stock with a rifle? Um, I do both. So trapping, trapping takes a lot of time and money yes. <laughs> to do. In Idaho, you have to check your traps every 72 hours. And where I trap, I'm driving two hours, hiking, doing a five-mile loop, and driving back. So every three days, that's like a full-time job. Yeah. Getting there, gas money, checking traps, all that. Um, so I do both. I Wolf hunting here is year-round because the population is so out of control. Okay. Um, so uh, my favorite time to hunt them is in February because it's mating season and they're very vocal and very territorial during that time. Mm. Um, but I also like trapping during the winter too because I'm not hunting elk and deer. Right. <laughs> I just wolves are like my filler when I don't have other seasons going on. But yeah, that's it's good to have those. Uh, lately, I've been well, not lately for like the last five, six years, I've been filling my springs with shed hunting, and that has become my addiction for February and March. And so I'll start like way up in North Dakota when it's um, like early, like snowshoes, and finding them like in the snow. And then I ended this year. We went on a trip to New Mexico in late April to find elk and and mule deer sheds with a good buddy that's awesome yeah Yeah. you gotta fill your time with something (laughs) yeah yeah because otherwise man it's a long stretch between january and september yeah absolutely so how how many years did it take to figure it out like not obviously you've probably been hunting a long time so you get the basics of like be quiet move stealthy glass spot and stock but like wolves are different right they're 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 just different they're harder to find and so how long did it take you when you started saying like i'm gonna try this to like being successful did it take a long time oh gosh yeah it took years and also we're still figuring it out um there's no book on wolves like there are for elk and deer wolves are just not a lot of the people have gotten you know that education on to put it out there for you to Google, how do I do this? Um, and so between us and all of our failed experiences and talking with Tom Snyder from Stuck in the Rut and Luke Sterling, and we kind of all communicate and give each other our experiences to learn from each other. And that's okay. been really helpful. Yeah, that would definitely help shorten the learning curve. Cause like we've been doing the elk hunting thing um, my brother and my dad started a long time ago, like rifle guided hunts had mixed results. Now we've been doing like do it yourself archery every year for the last better part of a decade. 
And there's like, like you said, there's so many things you can learn online. Like you can learn elk ecology. You can learn like how to look at what they need to eat and sleep and bed and, you know, where water and, and food is and rutting behavior. You can Google all the calls in the world. You, there's like the whole section of like a, a outdoor stores dedicated to elk hunting. Right. And then you go to yeah. something like wolf hunting. I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, my brother went to the Idaho once and he, I think you guys have some sort of a combination license where it was for him, at least he had the option to shoot a wolf with his elk tag if you wanted to. Yeah, you can absolutely do that. And he would have, he hundred percent would have, they saw the like back half of a, of a wolf, like in a split second. And that was it. Like that's all the wolves they saw. And so obviously they weren't going after wolves and it was in like October, not, you know, February, but it's, yeah. it's not just so easy as like, Oh, I have a wolf tag. Like I should be able to fill that on my elk hunt. No. And that's, I mean, that we're definitely overpopulated with wolves, but that doesn't mean you're seeing a wolf behind like every tree. Right. <laughs> well, you guys, yeah. Cause like you said earlier, if you hunt them, they get smart and then they learn to like, not come out in the open in broad daylight or not like stay away from roads and and people's like hunting land and i mean public land probably gets pressured so much anyway from all the other types of hunting that they probably don't even like public land that much yeah and they're they're smart and they'll learn the e-call and they know they know what to stay away from unfortunately yeah that, that sounds rough do you have any like ranchers in your community that will call up maybe not you specifically, but a hunter and be like, Hey, I know you're a wolf hunter and I have a wolf problem. I mean, it's getting in, it's killing calves. Can you come and take this, take care of this for me? Yeah. So we live in a, a really small community. And so we constantly get calls from ranchers or just people saying like, Hey, here's a beat on a patch. Like, why don't you guys try and go after him? And there's a couple of pretty good wolf hunters and trappers in this town. And, um, so it's nice to talk to each other and be like, Hey, I can't make it out. Can you go? And vice versa. Yeah. That would, I mean, I wish they did that for giant elk. Like a ranchers is like, Hey, I have this 350 inch bull. Can you come and take care of this for me? Right. Well, and that's where wolves are so different. I, I think you're just, you just want, you don't want them off landscape. That's never going to happen. We're never going to get rid of all wolves. And I don't want to, I think they're really impressive creatures. Um, but they need to be managed and you just get excited for anyone who can help you out with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of sad that here in Minnesota, we can't hunt wolves just because it's an opportunity. Right. And it's something for outdoorsmen to do, but we have a very struggling moose population here in Minnesota. Yeah. And they've said that up to 50% of moose calves uh, every year, each year are, are killed by wolves and they, but they don't count the wolves as a major cause of the moose decline because they say the wolves have been here forever. And so like, that's not what's causing the moose to decline in the last 10 years, but it's like, well, it's still a significant, like they'd balance back a lot faster if they weren't getting just slaughtered by wolves. Well, and when wolves are less than managed, the population grows 40% annually. So they're going to kill more and more moose calves. Right, right. So we're trying to get the moose to come back, yet we're not really addressing the entire, like, picture of of the problem. I mean, they'll say that there's, and I say like they'll say, like, I don't believe it. I do believe it. There's a brainworm in deer that deer can spread to moose. It doesn't kill the deer for whatever reason, but it's 100% lethal for moose. And so when we have these, like, abundantly warm winters, 
with low snow, the deer population just pushes farther up north where the moose are, and then they overlap. And so if we have, like, two or three easy winters, we will then see, like, the years following a moose decline because those deer pushed up and started spreading this brain worm to the moose. So that's understood, and we're trying to figure out, like, how to manage that. You know, hunters want to shoot deer, so they want more deer. And then, so it's like a balancing act, but it's like we're completely forgetting like half the equation with the wolves. Yeah, absolutely. Because maybe you can't manage that brain worm, but you can manage the other portion that's taken out. Right. And like, which is hilarious because you said the goal of like maximum sustainability was 1500 for a region that was massive, like the size of Texas. And we have not even close to that. And they're telling us we have 4,000 which is probably on the low end. Yeah. So it so, seems. I, I don't know about your wolves, but our wolves, each wolf will eat about 20 big game per year. Oh, boy. And that's what they're killing, though. That's not, it's, uh, or that's what they're eating. Yeah. That doesn't include, they're chasing down elk, they're chasing down deer, causing spontaneous abortions, causing exhaustion. If a wolf is just laying there and just like your domestic dog, like, if a cat would run by, your dog's instinct is to get up and chase that cat. Well, wolf is the same way. If a deer runs by, instinct is to chase, maim it, and it realizes, hey, I wasn't hungry, and it walks away. Well, that doesn't count towards that 20 big game average. Yeah. And they, wolves, and like a lot of big predators that are 100% carnivore, like probably not so much bear because they're more omnivores, but like wolves and cats. Isn't don't they train their offspring to like hunt? And like part of that is like we're gonna go out and like see if we can kill a couple elk, even though we're not gonna eat them. Yeah, I just need to absolutely. train you how to hunt. Like that we work as a pack. Yeah. They're very efficient killers. I mean you really if you're wolf hunting or trapping, you really have to um you really have to respect them because they're just amazing animals. That's crazy. So one myth that I think a lot of people, especially in like around me in Minnesota, I've heard like, oh, I saw a huge wolf the other day, had to have been at least 250 pounds. And I'm like, "Mm, really? I mean, seems like a lot of people like to overestimate the size of these predators that they're seeing. What what's been your experience with like actual wolf sizes? Like I shot a big wolf and this is what it weighed. I shot a small wolf and this is what it weighed. Yeah, so any wolf over 100 pounds is a big wolf. Um, 110, to me, that's a giant wolf. Okay. And I I think I've had one guy that I know, and I think he's in Canada, and his biggest wolf was like 128 pounds. And so that's massive. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, if somebody says, oh, I shot a 200-pound wolf, they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> And it just, it doesn't happen. Granted, a wolf could just have had a great big meal and gained a few pounds off yeah. that. Um, there's no 200-pound wolf. They, if you skin a wolf out, you get to see really its body structure. And their torsos are really small. It's the fur that makes them look big, and they have long legs like deer. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're not, the average wolf, I would say, um, is about, 75 80 pounds right which is smaller than my lab my lab is yeah. like 90 and he's not fat so he's just got 
he's probably got more weight than a wolf because he doesn't run around all day, but less fur. So, you yeah, know, and he, they'll look bigger than dogs because they are. They're tall animals. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, there's no. It, it always makes me laugh when I see that. But they, I mean, you'll see grown men, and these wolves look huge. Yeah, it looks like two hundred pounds, but they're not. Right. I, did you see the picture of Derek Wolf? the NFL player yes. with his mountain lion in Colorado. Yes. That one like really puts it in perspective. Like that was the, probably the biggest cat I've ever seen a picture of. It was huge. Yeah. Cause the dude was huge and he looks like, he looks like the proportions were like the exact same as you with your cat, except <laughs> he's like six, six. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, it's huge. And it, 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 it is funny though. Like, Instagram and social media, you can never really tell how big anything is. Right. Yeah. Depending on the angle of the picture. And well, but one of my favorite things was I was able, I got a coyote and a wolf in the same day. Ooh. So I was able to do a size comparison. Yeah. And so that's, it puts things more in perspective. Yeah. Because like, well, I'll hear the same thing every now and then with coyotes or coyotes. We call them coyotes here. Um, or a lot of people call them brush wolves. Like farmers will say it's a brush wolf. Yeah. But they'll be like, yeah, I saw a hundred pound coyote. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Like, yeah, it might've been as big as your hundred pound dog, but that's because your dog's overweight and it doesn't have any fur. Like I think I've, the biggest one I trust was like 40 pounds for a coyote. Yeah. 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 And I, and that's a huge coyote, right? Yeah. Well, and so we have timber wolves. In Minnesota, I th- you guys have a – is it called a gray wolf? Is that what the wolf is? It's called the – people call them gray wolves, Canadian timber wolves. I, but I, I think – I don't know if they're the same. I need to do more research on that. I could see them being different. I mean, if anything, I would Are assume – from Canada? Yeah, they come down from – well, they – now they're just from Minnesota because they've been here forever. Yeah. But I think they do – like, I think they did come down from Canada once we stopped it's hunting them. Planted from Canada as well. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I would I would assume that the wolves that you guys have are bigger because they cover huge ranges. They have bigger like prey. You know, like our yeah. wolves have never seen an elk, so they would probably not know what to do. Um, like yeah. a moose and calf is the size of a deer. Like are fighting for a food source because you have so many. So yeah. over time, they're just going to be smaller and smaller as they adapt. As a species. Yeah, I think our wolves primarily eat white-tailed deer, and we have plenty of white-tailed deer. So I think they just get good at killing fawns, which is, you know, probably not a challenge for a wolf. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, that's, that's, um, that's something I've always wanted to do. And I, I don't know how to go about it. Do you have a lot of non-resident wolf hunters? Cause it seems like that's something where you just really got to know the landscape and the terrain and where they are like living. So we get a ton of non-resident wolf hunters. Um, and my plea to everybody is try and learn as much as you can before you come and hunt these wolves and screw up on a pack and then make it way harder for me to hunt them. Because <laughs> Yeah. Because we're hunting them to save our elk and deer, and when people come and like shoot at them and miss and screw it up, then 
that makes it way harder for me and the other wolf hunters to get it done when we're actually trying to do it for a purpose to save the population. Okay. So it sounds like lots of non-resident hunters, probably not very many successful non-resident hunters. Cause it's, yeah. I've, there are stories I've heard of like a guy saying like, hey, I'm coming to Idaho, and he comes the first day and shoots a wolf, which is awesome. Um, but that doesn't happen <laughs> all the time. Usually, so stats on wolf hunting in Idaho, um, less than 1% of Idaho wolf hunters will ever shoot a wolf, and less than 1 16th of that 1% are doing so on purpose. So usually someone's out elk hunting, a wolf runs by, they shoot it. That's 1%. It's the ones that are going out intentionally to hunt wolves that it's less than 1 16th of 1%. Yikes. And that, did you say ever or per season? Um, per season. Okay. But one per, that's still, that's pretty dismal. I mean, <laughs> elk hunting is like 10%. We've been a touch higher than that. I think we're closer to maybe 20% over multiple years within our entire group. And we're like, yeah, that's great. Um, and then you think about 1%, like you'd have to go 20 times statistically to shoot your wolf. And if you're a non-resident, yeah. like that's a, like you get a week at a time basically. And you get all this travel. You got to buy all the tags. You got to do the hotel or camp or whatever. Like it's going to add up really fast if you're trying, if you're dedicated to the wolf hunting game. And so we've created to help mitigate that because it took us years and years to get a a beat on how to wolf hunt. And so we've teamed up with Tom Snyder from Stuck in the Rut, who's also a wonderful wolf hunter. And we've started doing a a class, a course Mm. to teach people how to hunt wolves and he does an online course as well so is it without giving out too much away is it similar to like a a rifle elk hunt where you're predominantly relying on glass or is it more like still hunting cutting tracks so it's why we teamed up with tom was because we hunt um such different terrain Okay. Uh, he's in thick timber. A lot of times we're in open country. So it just depends what country you're hunting. They really like that timber, but they also run those open sagebrush hills. Um, so for us, we're glassing a lot. For him, he's calling them in a lot. Ooh. And um, so, it, yeah, it just depends what terrain you're hunting. Okay. If, if you are a good enough woodsman or woodswoman, I don't know if that's a – unisex term if you find a den somewhere especially on public i suppose that'd be the the easiest but if you find it and you kind of like obviously you don't share the world that hey i found a wolf den can you like hunt it smart but they will they keep using that den year after year or if you start picking one or two off do they just move out of the whole area completely well, if I would find a den, I'm going to go buy as many tags as there are pups. <laughs> okay. Take care of that issue immediately. Um, but And in Idaho, it's unlimited tags. Wolf oh. Tags. So, well, um, because they're just scrambling now to try to manage the population. Um, but uh, they will use the same dens. Um, but if they start noticing, you know, one or two of my pack members is gone and you leave any witnesses is what we call them. If another wolf sees one shot, they're not going to go back there most likely. Yeah. So you wouldn't like, 
I guess the waterfall, the term is don't hunt the roost, right? Like if you hunt the roost, they're going to move, but you hunt the feed, like you hunt the field, you know where they're roosting and then you hunt their food source. So it's like, if you could figure out where the den is, at least that gives you like a home base. And so you can start working like around that. Like, are they using kind of the same valley to go in and out of every time? Are they hunting in the same area every, every time? And maybe hopefully get a crack at a couple of them. But I guess that was thinking like year after year, I was assuming you get one wolf per year. If you have unlimited wolves and like you can buy unlimited tags, then yeah, you might as well just go buy as many tags as you can and then just do it all at once. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's, and, um, you know, spring and early summer is a really good time to hunt wolves because there's pups and they're, they haven't been educated yet and they're really stupid and they come into calls a mm. lot easier. Um, but once they see that and learn that, it, it'll be hard to get them again. What is like, if someone was going to go wolf hunting with a rifle, not the, not trapping, but with a rifle, what kind of shots should they be prepared for? Like, should you be prepared to shoot a moving target? Should you be prepared to shoot to like X hundred yards? What's the setup? So I, we started shooting long rings because of wolves. Um, again, we're in open country. So it's not uncommon for us to take a thousand yard shot on a wolf. Um, so I'd be prepared for that. I know, what was it? Two years ago, uh, one of our buddies is a guide and we met up with him and he had a hunter from New York and a, we had a wolf at a thousand yards and he just wasn't ready and missed by a mile. But um, it, so if you're coming out, be prepared for long range shots, depending on the terrain going on next see what it's looking like if it's open or not um and then also be prepared for if you're calling them in a 30 yard shot (laughs) as it's running towards you so yeah that would be pretty tight have you so 30 yards makes me wonder have you heard of anyone shooting one with a bow oh yeah um so actually the our buddy tom he it was during archery season and he wasn't wolf hunting he was elk hunting and a pack of wolves came in, and I think he shot three with his bow. They were coming after him. He shot three with his bow and recovered two of them, I believe. Wow. So you can buy – there's no there's no limit to how many tags you can have at one time? Nope. And so what I do tell people, if you're a non-resident hunter coming into Idaho, make sure you have at least two or three wolf tags on you. Because oftentimes, if you see one wolf, you're going to see more than that. Ooh. And so, if you do see them, get a shot off on them and take down as many as you can. But always carry more than one tag. Yeah. How much How much is a non-resident wolf tag? Like, I think it's $31.50 oh. was the last time I checked. So, it's pretty cheap. That's it's how much it. my resident doe tags are in Minnesota. Yeah. So, it's pretty pretty cheap. Yeah, so yeah. It's, there's no excuse not to have a wolf tag in your pocket if you're coming. Yeah, well, it's funny because we have been talking about hunting Idaho for a few years now, and, and you know, like, we're going to be archery elk hunting, so maybe one would come into a calling sequence, but we're, yeah. it's, you know, black timber, we're probably not going to see a lot of them if we see any at all, but we're just running out of points in all these other states, and, and we're trying to figure out, like, what our state rotation is so we can elk hunt every year. And Idaho is yeah. one of those options because there is no point system. Well, I, it's true. And honestly, when you think you're not going to see a wolf is when you do. That's I've never had 
gets out and a wolf runs by. And I just had a buddy show me the other day a video, and he's just in a meadow, and it's a whole pack of wolves, like, 50 yards away from him just sitting there. That's never happened to me. Right. And, of course, he didn't have a tag. And so, <laughs> so it's when you're not expecting it, those scenarios. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. That is a bummer. Um, is there – so is there any concern with wolves um, and, like, personal safety in those situations? I know a lot of people – you know, I have a buddy that, like, carries a sidearm at his property in Minnesota for black bears – and he's had some sketchy encounters, but I've never even thought of black bears as like something to be worried about. But where, what kind of is the general vibe out in where you are, where wolves are like a common thing, a part of life? Well, I'm, I'm honestly more worried about black bears. We've been charged quite a few times by them, but with wolves, they're so smart. They know that humans mean danger. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, and now that we're allowed to hunt them so frequently, I'm not as worried about it. If I were, I wouldn't want to be out of the woods without a gun, <laughs> but, okay. but I'm not, wolves don't, aren't my main concern. I'm more scared of bears. And, um, yeah, that's, I'd definitely be more scared of bears. That being said, a wolf gets hungry enough. Yeah. It's going to come to you, or it hasn't been hunted. If, if you're way back in a wilderness unit where they're just not getting hunted, yeah, I'd be a little more concerned. Yeah, that will, um, and it's not just the one, like... I don't know. I'm a, I'm two and a half, three times as many wolves. Like I'm a three X wolf kind of person to give you a reference. So one wolf, like, yeah, I would probably get pretty mangled, but I'd probably not lose. Right. Yeah. But if three or four wolves, like obviously they hunt in packs, like the one you're looking yeah, at is probably not the one to be scared of. It's the one that like jumps on you from the side. And then I, then I have no <laughs> expectations of winning. <laughs> We, had, we just wrapped up one of our wolf camps, and I was explaining it exactly like that that scene in Jurassic Park where they're talking about the velociraptors. Yeah. He's like, you're looking at the one in front of you, but then there's the two that swoop in from the side, and that's what wolves do. You'll be hunting them, and you're like, hey, this one's coming, and then you catch like a flash, and they're coming from behind you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So when, when you're like your buddy that does the calling, is he hunting? Obviously, he's not using a long-range rifle setup if he's expecting shots at 30 yards. Is he using a shotgun yeah, with, like, I buckshot? Mean, he, he, he uses long-range, too, because they have some open country, but um, he just uses – what rifle is he using right now? Um, I mean, he just had – I think it was three or four last year or two years ago that he did, that came in within, like, 20 yards, um, younger ones that he just – lay them down oh so he's probably using like an ar platform of like a... i don't know if he was using an ar he's just a he's a hell of a shot <laughs> just a really good that'd be pretty fast with like a bolt action obviously not using a muzzle loader um no and that's one other thing is we shoot suppressed because um they do wise up so quickly that um especially if we're shooting longer ranges too that sound of the impact uh, of it hitting the wolf is louder than your gun going off. So the wolves don't really know what to be afraid of and what mm. that sound. And probably can't quite tell which direction it came from. Well, especially yeah. with long range, like you could probably get on or be a long ways towards getting on your next shot by the time they even hear it. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, you mentioned running shots. At, 
that's a hundred percent. You've got to be ready for that because a lot of times you know, they'll just run by and that's all you see of them. So and if so. when you're in the open country, cause I'm not even pretending I'm going to make a running shot on a wolf in black timber. <laughs> so if you're in open country and you got a wolf pack, like maybe they're not full speed, like they're running away from you, but they're just kind of galloping through this meadow so are you someone that like leads them with your scope or do you like have a stationary scope and when they hit like 30 feet you shoot and they run into your bullet does that make sense yeah it de- i mean it depends on the distance and how fast they're going and stuff okay. um for me i know and i'm not as good of a, a running shot <laughs> picker as my husband is but he he got two last spring spring before um, and they were running, and I think that was 250 yards, and he just was leading them. Okay, he just um, knows. Well, Yeah, he just grew up, you know, shooting, leading things, jackrabbits and stuff like that. So. Yeah, like with a shotgun, I'm pretty good because I grew up pheasant hunting and, like, leading pheasants in the air. The Like, I just never know, like, okay, how far should I lead it for a 250-yard shot? And I suppose you get good at it, but the nice thing is with some of our optics that have, like, windage turrets in your scope like you can just be like i need i know i need to hold like six moa and you just put that on the wolf and follow it and slowly touch off and maybe that's how you get pretty good at it yeah and it's practice and wolves are fast yeah (laughs) accordingly (laughs) right yeah if they're like going full speed i'd probably try but not be successful especially the first the first time you're never going to be good at it yeah how to lead a wolf full sprint at a thousand yards that would be a great (laughs) clinic if you can figure that out that would be a pretty good clinic exactly and when you have the distance and you have time to watch them there's no reason to shoot them while they're moving you know they'll stop and hang out so right yeah i'm sure it's best like if you can wait until they find like if they choose to like lay down or bed in front of you yeah so yeah there's those running shots they're you know you got to play every scenario but yeah <laughs> we like those for 300 yards and closer and not educate them right yeah yeah that's a good point like you said like should you take like for me like that's a good point like if i went out there and there's a wolf running at 300 yards i'm gonna be like i'm just gonna wait till he stops or not shoot this wolf because i'm not gonna hit it like i'm not gonna hit a running wolf on the first try after never trying that with a rifle exactly and if you shoot at it and miss you blow all opportunities if you don't and you kind of wait and play it out maybe the next day that wolf's gonna be in the same area and you might get another option right yeah for sure so i think that's probably this i don't like shooting anything that moves like it's i don't know yeah i like hedging my bets (laughs) so i try to stay away from that (laughs) yeah well and even like a thousand yards like it's gonna take your bullet like two seconds to to get there like it takes a while and so you know that wolf takes a step yeah (laughs) yeah imagine if you like that would have to be so like depressing to see your bullet and you're tracking like the vapor trail and the wolf just takes one step and you just see dust exactly where he was standing and now like you said now i educated him now he's running like i did everything right and then it just he just took a step in that two seconds yeah and so the long range is tricky because there's a lot that can go wrong. Yeah. Are you using just 
like the best long range guns that like target long range use? Because is it a wolf, a hundred pound wolf? Like that's a pretty small animal. So I'm guessing like most of your long range calibers can probably handle the wolf just fine. Yeah. So I mean, wolf. I will say out of most animals, wolves can take a bullet the best. I have a video of I think I was shooting my 308, and I shot this wolf at about. It was only two, 150 yards was the first shot, and it double lunged, and the blood just pumping out of it, and it ran for about 400 yards. Oh, my gosh. And so they they take bullets well, and they're really hard to find because they crawl under breath, and so you lose. We've lost quite a few wolves, and I know our friend Tom has just because you know they're dead somewhere, but they're, they either go in a hole or under brush and you can't find them, which is heartbreaking. Yeah, that would suck. I mean, I don't think I would eat a wolf, but I would definitely want to, like, use the hide and, like, obviously respect the animal. Like, I don't want to just shoot him and let him lay. Yeah, no, we don't eat wolves either, but it's nice, you know, for the pelt and just to make sure, like, okay, I killed you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it was a clean ethical shot you know, expired fast. You, everyone wants all of that. So I have eaten a coyote one time and actually talk, this came up on the last podcast. We were talking about eating predators and it was actually like a really weird situation. So it was that coworker at work, like is really like a foodie. He's like a foodie first hunter second. And so he wants to eat like absolutely everything. And he ended up shooting this coyote and he was looking up for ways to eat it. And so he brought it in and he knew I was a hunter and so he's like, hey, you want to try this coyote? And he brings it to my desk, like, warm, like, prepared and everything. And so I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, like, I, predators, you can't eat, like, you don't, you can't eat them undercooked. You'll get trichinosis. Like, no one wants to yeah. mess with that. And I have no idea, like, how you shot this, how you cleaned it, how you prepared it, how you cooked it. And I'm like, uh, sure, I guess. And so he basically made, like, little sauce, like, breakfast sausage recipes. And I tasted it, and you could tell it wasn't venison, but it wasn't bad. But I don't think I would make a habit of it. Well, it was ground up, so it's not like you're eating, like, a coyote steak. That would probably yeah. be pretty tough. But, yeah, I was like, I tried it once. I didn't get sick. I don't think I'm going to make a habit out of eating coyotes. <laughs> well, I guess the next wolf I get, I'll have to do the same to you. Be like, hey, I did. Yeah. I made this wolf. Especially in person, like at the Western Hunt Expo or something, where it's like, uh, like yeah. he, like it, I felt bad saying no. Like he did all this work, and I know he did. All, like he told me about it, like he was gonna do it, and I didn't like say, "Oh, I want to try that." Like I was kind of hoping he would just do it at home and leave it at home. But yeah, like he does all this work, and he comes in person, so it's not like you could even pretend, like, "Oh, sorry, I got busy and you know couldn't make it." So, yeah, I ended up trying it. And it was, like, the flavor was fine. The texture was, a, like, you could tell it wasn't a deer. And hopefully it was cooked thoroughly. Like, that's why he did the breakfast sausage, so he could cook it. Well, I'll rest. have to do that for you. Because I, <laughs> if you smell a wolf, there's no way you're going to eat it. Really? Like, they just, yeah, they smell, like, evil and, like, death. They smell <laughs> evil. <laughs> I have no idea what that smells like. Uh, white-tailed does don't smell like that. They smell like uh, peace and serenity. And <laughs> yeah, these like before I had ever shot one, I had smelled this out in the woods, and you just don't 
you, you know, you don't know what it is. You're like, what is that? And then as soon as I smelled it, I was like, oh my gosh, I've been smelling wolves this whole time. Oh, but really? they smell off. And so, yes, no, I will not eat a wolf, but I will gladly bring some wolf. <laughs> All right. We'll have to make. Tell me how it compares. This will be like a Guy Ferrari or what's it? Fieri. Guy Fieri episode of like yeah. wild eats or something. <laughs> Um, but to be fair, I shot an eight-year-old elk one time in like peak rut, and that smelled terrible too. So oh, it yeah. smelled like that beef cattle yard smell with that like rutting elk get. And he was pretty old, so that didn't help by any means. <laughs> it, it tasted fine, like you cook it, it tasted fine. But like getting in the field, it didn't smell the greatest. Oh. Yeah, yeah. At least it was all not on the I outside know. of his fur, not on the inside of his fur. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. So that's that's a pretty good summary of the wolf hunting. So was wolves your introduction to predator hunting, or did you start with like a bear, the like black bears and mountain lions? Um, so black bears, I love hunting black bears, um, as well. And wolves, I mean, I tried to hunt them, but I just wasn't very good at it for a long time. Um, bears, at least in Idaho, they're kind of a. I love that season because it always seems kind of like a guarantee. Mm. Like you can bait them, you can spot and stalk. They're just fun. Um, spring bear is when I hunt them. And then I do a lot of coyote hunting too. So for a, a lot of the ranchers around here, I go and take care of their coyote problems. Um, so yeah, just, I just, I don't know what it is. I just like the predator thing, especially wolves and bears, something about going after an apex predator that wants to kill you is, it just gets me going. I like it. So does that mean eventually I'm going to see a, like a story on Instagram of you on Kodiak Island running around with a bow and arrow? Oh, gosh. You never know. You <laughs> never know. <laughs> that, that does seem super fun. I, I would love to do it sometime. I would want maybe a guide or a buddy with a pretty decent-sized firearm behind me in case things do go south, but – yeah, and also I don't think I'm rich enough to go over and get guided on brown bear in Alaska. Well, and that's the problem is I think there's only a handful of species that you can hunt in Alaska without a guide or some type of nexus, like a relative or a friend or just a acquaintance. Yeah. And I think it's like, I think you can do coastal black bears. I think you can do moose and caribou in certain units, but you have certain restrictions but I'm pretty sure the brown bears are not on the list of things you can do by yeah, yourself. Yeah, I think, and I think even residents, it's like one every four years is all they can hunt up to, if I'm correct. Yeah, that. that does make sense. So you mentioned you can bait spring black bear, can you, but you can't bait wolves? No, you are not allowed to bait wolves in Idaho. It, um, I don't know about any other states, but in Idaho, there's no baiting wolves. Trapping, you can use a bait pile, but it has to be, I believe, 30 feet away from your trap. Oh, so it seems interesting, and I guess I don't really care either way, but it does seem interesting that they're like, yeah, shoot as many wolves as you can, unlimited, just buy a tag for each wolf, yet you can't bait them. Like, So they're, wolves are so political. I think they have to be so careful on what they allow because oh. we have all these anti-hunters that will come after them and get wolf hunting shut down completely. Um, gotcha. And so I, it's just more of trying to keep the peace so we're allowed to hunt wolves without 
pissing off the wrong people that are going to come after hunting. Got you. And that makes sense. That If they're like, yeah, this is just going to look really bad, like especially people yeah. taking pictures or videos and then it gets out, so we're just not going to do that. That makes more sense because I know Canada yeah. baits them, and they bait them a lot. That's like a, how oh, sure, yeah. I know that the, like I've heard a lot of people that have gone to Canada, they bait them in the middle of a lake, so on the wintertime. Yeah. So it's like, and hey, so this I guy's going to run uh, all the way out to you. Tyler Nelson up in, do you know, have you heard of him? He's a outfitter up in Canada. I might have seen his stuff. When you see, like, an entire pack of wolves running across the lake, and they, they'll they say, like, hey, be prepared. And they'll, they'll say, like, a lot of times the clients, well, the clients are always going to say, yeah, I'm fine. I'll be fine. Like, I won't get scared. But then, like, half the time, as those, like, eight wolves are charging towards them, they shoot, like, way too soon. It's like, they're going to come into 30 yards, and we're going to get a couple of them unless you shoot yep. too soon at, like, 500 yards, and then we're not going to get any of them. And sometimes it's, it's they perfect. do get scared. <laughs> and, I mean, having a wolf come in for the first time is a wild experience. Um, I know it was my husband's first wolf. We doubled up the first time. And his wolf came in charging us because it thought we were another wolf during mating season. And he turned around and shot it at 46 yards. And that just having that experience and seeing them up close, you're like, okay, this thing could destroy me if it wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I saw your one of your posts where you're showing the teeth, and I was like, that is a gnarly set of chompers. <laughs> yeah, they're... They're built to kill. They're really efficient, and like I said, you have to respect them, but I also don't want them all over the place. <laughs> yeah, that's a fine line. Like, you want them there, but you you don't want them to be, like, damaging the populations of other things. Like you Exactly, exactly. That's the... Like, it's nice to I hear a bugle sometimes when you're elk hunting, and when you're hunting in the center of a wolf pack, you're probably not hearing a lot of bugles because the elk learn... Exactly. If I bugle, I get killed. Exactly. And so, I mean, it's changed having wolves on the landscape has changed all of hunting, you know. And so that's why it's important to kind of get that down because I, predator management is super important to me because I have two small children. Mm. And if they grow up and there's no more elk and deer, then they don't get to hunt. Right. And so that's why I'm really big into it, too, is so my kids can hunt when they're older. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fun. Um, it's always fun to have your kids be able to like do the same things as you and not think about like, well, I do this now, but my kids aren't going to be able to, cause this is going to get wrecked before yeah. they're old enough. Yeah. That's fun. So I assume with the black bear hunting, you, you said you are eating those. Yeah. I, some people hate black bear. It's one of my favorite meats. So yeah, I, I really like it. I have heard. So in Minnesota, the black bear is, predominantly a baiting uh, hunt. Uh, you pretty much have to bait just to be able to see them. Um, otherwise, they're in the forest and you just don't get shots. But I've heard that those, eh, not the greatest tasting, right? Because they've been eating Dunkin' Donuts and Fryer Grease all, all summer. Um, yeah. But I've heard like a spring mountain bear where they're up high, maybe eating a lot of blueberries or a fall bear that's eating blueberries, like some of the most delicious meat you'll ever have. So I'm trying to think if I really know the difference because I've shot them baiting and thought stock. Okay. And um, I 
it's hard to tell because some bears are really, really fatty mm-hmm. and some aren't. So I don't know if that has to do with it too, um, with the taste difference. But I haven't noticed too much, um, but I, I know we bait a certain way and other people might be using different products as well. Okay. So it's hard. It depends what you're feeding on muncher. I know I've heard fall and spring bear taste vastly different. I've just never had a fall bear to, oh. <laughs> to be able to compare it. Well, I, like fall is when the blueberries and stuff would be running. So, well, running like they're a salmon, but like when they're ready. <laughs> um, so I'm guessing that maybe that adds to it, but they're also probably going to be fattier. Yeah. Than a spring bear. So, yeah, that'd be very interesting. We'd have to, we'd have to figure out a way to do a taste test and, and try both. Um, but, exactly. Yeah, that would be fun. And then we can rank all the predators on a scale. I've heard mountain lion tastes like chicken. Coyote wasn't terrible. It sounds like wolf might be on the bottom of the list. <laughs> um, but that would be fun. And I would. I think spring bear is like on my list because it's that's a season for me, like May June, that I have pretty yeah. much no hunting opportunities. Shed season's wrapped up by then. Maybe a little bit of farm and habitat management on our par- on our properties yeah. but not anything hunting related so that's on my list for sure is to do a spring bear well, hunt and that's kind of like how we got into predator hunting as well as we love to hunt but then hunting season's so short yeah at least in idaho and we're like well what do we do the rest of the year and then you're like oh there's spring bear that goes from april to june and there's wolf year round and so it's just a way to get out there yeah, definitely a good way to get out there and, and enjoy more of the outdoors. I mean, you can just go hike, but to me, there's a difference between hiking with a tag and hiking without a tag. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm no hiker. <laughs> I need a purpose. <laughs> yeah, that's what shed hunting is. Like, it's just a hike, but at least I have, like, a goal of trying to find an <laughs> antler. Um, and so my wife is a big hiker. Before she started residency and med school, or pharmacy school, she used to do, like, backpack trips in Colorado. So we're going to be doing a lot of more of that coming up, which is exciting. So um, maybe we'll just have to do more shed hunting backpack trips or backpacking exactly. trips that happen to be in great habitat for a spring bear or a wolf. <laughs> exactly. So cool. Well, we're coming up on an hour already, which is crazy how fast that time flew when we're talking about wolves. <laughs> um but I wanted to be respectful of your time, plus I still have to get my office set up. So um, before we end, I do want to give you the chance to share with all of the listeners wherever they can follow you, if they're interested in learning more about wolf hunting, where they could figure out how to get your course that you talked about, anything, any place you want to point the followers to, to learn more about you and follow your journey, feel free to, to give, give you the rundown. Awesome. Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Kate underscore small underscore outdoors. Um, you can email me at Kate small outdoors at gmail.com to ask about the wolf camp. And then you can also follow the our wolf academy, which is the Western Wolf Academy on Instagram. Awesome. All your wolf hunting needs all in one spot. Yeah, all in one spot, right there. Perfect. Well, I'm going to have to take the course sometime so I can figure out what I'm doing and if I ever get out west trying to chase one of them. 
Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to us, and good luck this fall if we don't follow up before then on all of your adventures. Yes, you too. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And thank you for listening, folks.